Hour number two of the Blitz starts right now, 1340 AM, 105.7 FM. We're live in your Fan Run Radio app. That's free. Wherever you get your apps, download us, take us with you on the go wherever you may go. We're also live, streaming live, that is, on Twitter, on Twitch, and on Facebook if you want to watch that video feed as we roll through the show. Did not have a bowl game last night. We do have one this this evening. That was kind of mean. That was mean. How are you going to give us bowl games that Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, with nothing on Wednesday? I mean, thankfully, I thought it was a pretty good hoop slate yeah, college-wise. Yeah. And, and it was nice. It was segmented into three pretty solid parts. It was. It wasn't like two games on at once. You got to like have two TVs or something. Like You could have watched a great slate last night with one TV. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was nice. But uh, bowl games back tonight. So we can, you know, hopefully I can make up some ground in the Fan Run Radio Bowl Pick'em Challenge brought to you by Crown Cleaners. If you missed anything from hour one, Andy Brock joined us. Yeah. Called in. Old Andy Brock used to co-host the Blitz. He's calling tonight's game. We talked with Andy. We talked a little bit more about signing day as well. If you missed anything from hour one, uh, if you missed anything from any of the first three hours of Fan Run Radio today, the last ever three and out, probably, uh, then you can go back and listen to that wherever you get your podcast, Spotify. SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, we're there. It's a weird day. It's a weird day. The last three and out, Cody McClure's last show. It is strange, you know? A lot of moving parts right now, this station. It's real weird. It's going to be a... What is Cody going to do today? Is he just going to destroy that show? You think he's just going to go in... For three hours and just Guns give them hell. <laughs> I, I was wondering if he was going to start getting a little fast and loose with it the last couple of days. Yeah, he's been, he's been, he's been good. <laughs> Some well-timed breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been good though. You know, d- don't want to burn too many bridges in case Tennessee turns back into the national championship program. You can come back again. One eight and four season, and he's out the door. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> really kind of is like I wonder I wonder if Tennessee would have gone 11 and 1 this year is, is Cody the, leaving hitting the transfer portal and going to going to follow Lincoln yeah. Riley huh going to going to Cali maybe definitely he's going to California maybe like Oregon I heard Oregon has a great comedy scene <laughs> I heard that the, I heard that there's a lot of very open-minded people in Oregon that love free speech and comedy. I think Cody and Oregon go together like peanut butter and jelly. Like peanut butter and ladies. Mhm. Was it peanut butter and ladies or peanut butter and women? I think it was like peanut butter and ladies. I don't know what you're talking about. Talladega Nights, you know the the mo- the quote? I don't really remember that quote, no. <laughs> Am I? No, that's... Maybe you're just not saying it right, so it's not registering in my head. I also haven't watched Talladega Nights in a long time. I haven't either, but everyone knows that. I just don't know. I don't remember that specific line. They're talking... We go together like Chinese food and chocolate pudding, let's face it. I remember that one better. And then the the goes, yeah, but like those two things don't really go together. 
And then he goes, we go together like cocaine and waffles. He goes, no, 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 that's like if I say peanut butter and ladies. No, jelly. Oh, you want to put jelly on a lady? You don't remember that? Kind of. I remember the other lines a little bit better than that one. Great movie. It was a good movie. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that in a very long time. Yeah. I really couldn't even tell you the last time I watched it. I kind of want to throw it on now. Instead, let's uh, let's just throw on throw on my music. Let's start off with an open and drive. Nice transition. Yeah, you know I'm like that. Radio professional. It's not back. No. No, I smell like a burning smell. Not this again. <laughs> Maybe I'm just crazy. I you just smell are. burning smells yeah. a lot. I don't know. What's that say about me? Who knows? It's probably the heat getting turned on in here for the first time in a while, maybe. Yeah, we just don't really we don't really keep that on for some reason. I don't keep the heat on that that often. I don't keep it on my house, but like I don't know. I just figured here maybe. Guess who's turning it on? Not me. I uh, smell it now. I yeah. Smell it now, you think yeah. that's the heat getting turned on? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully. Cool. <laughs> Hopefully. Anyway. Uh, first down, first down, first down. Oregon State and Washington State has found a new home. Yeah. P- potentially. Yeah. Uh, the West Coast Conference, not the Mountain West, has a scheduled meeting today for its presidents uh, with a yes vote, vote being likely uh, to add both Oregon State and Washington State in most non-football sports for the 2024-2025 academic year. Uh, that's what a West Coast Conference source told The Athletic. A successful vote would make the WCC the temporary home for all Oregon State and Washington State sports outside of football and baseball. Uh, with football, they have a Mountain West Conference scheduling alliance for the next two years as the two remaining Pac-12 schools continue to kind of chart out their future. I don't know what they're doing in baseball. I, I saw that baseball was, like, separate from this, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the plan is for baseball, um, but the schools, they would participate in all WCC-sponsored events except for baseball um, as affiliate members, so they could also participate in conference tournaments. Um Still an option potentially for the schools to play uh, in the WCC for baseball too. They also might just play as independents. Oregon State would maybe consider playing as an independent. I think that's kind of the mix-up or the, the hold-up basically is that Oregon State, Washington State baseball, I don't know anything about, but I don't think they're any good. Uh, but I think Oregon State would rather play as an, as an independent than join the WCC so they can build a better schedule because, you know, they're a perennial College World Series team. Like, they can build quite the schedule if they chose to. So I think that's kind of the holdup because Washington State, if they stayed independent, probably wouldn't be able to build all that good of a baseball schedule, so it would be more beneficial for them to hop in the WCC. So I think they'll probably split there, and, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, So it should be interesting, though, mostly because I think Oregon State – like might not even crack the top four in the West Coast Conference in basketball. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I mean, Gonzaga's better. I think San Diego's better. I think Santa Clara's better. It's kind of crazy to think about, but yeah, Oregon, Saint Mary's Oregon is State better. doesn't have a good program. No. 
Like it, it, it's weird to think a high major, a couple of high major teams are going to go to the West Coast Conference and struggle to win. Yeah. Amongst the top teams, at least. Yeah. Because St. Mary's, Gonzaga, and Santa Clara, the last three, four years, have both been better programs in Oregon State, or have all three been better programs in Oregon State and Washington State, for that matter. Wazoo, not too bad this year. They had Clay Thompson that one time. <laughs> that one time. Yeah, that one time. Second down. Second down, some more signing day news. Georgia football flips in-state five-star K.J. Bolden. It's a big one. Ranked number 14 in the country, uh, the number one safety in the country, according to 24-7. Played at Buford High School in Georgia. Uh, Two other five-stars on that team, quarterback Dylan Rayola. Former... Georgia football commit now at Nebraska and also defensive lineman uh, Edric Houston he went to Ohio State uh, Bolden had been committed to, to Florida State since August seemed like that was a uh, you know a huge get for Florida State I know since August there's you know it's been a couple different schools kind of in the ear of Bolden I know Auburn's been trying to flip him obviously Georgia as well we're kind of those two big players there uh, along with Florida State, but a big flip for Georgia on signing day. All but locks up that uh, that number one recruiting class for Georgia as they have another year uh, number one recruiting class in the country. This feels like a guy that you know can can be a pretty immediate impact player for for Georgia in that back half. Um, but yeah, they've had multiple five stars, multiple five star corners and safeties. Uh, commit to them. You've got Javon Bullard, Ellis Robinson, a bunch of other guys in that system. So uh, KJ Bolden will fall in line there, but that's a big loss uh, for Florida State. You know that's a it's a tough tough one. It's a you know it's a big get for them to try to be able to go in there into Georgia and and get someone of that caliber. But stays in state, and Georgia gets the number one class without even really dominating the state of Georgia in recruiting. I think the first player that they got in the state of Georgia was ranked like 8th or 10th in the state, I want to say. So Georgia clearly wins the crown 2024 recruiting while not even really having to to dip their toes too much into, into the in-state. <sighs> yeah, I think Georgia's just going to have the best roster in football every year forever. Yeah. Probably. Just never again will, will any team ever be better than Georgia, and we'll just have to live with it. This is an interesting headline. I was just kind of looking at, at the different headlines. I've never been able to pronounce this name ever. The hockey player, Jameer Jagger. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Yamir Jagger. Yeah, Yamir Jagger. Started his uh, 36th season of professional hockey. Oh. Crazy. Hell yeah. Yeah, just made his, his debut at age 51 for his hometown team, the Cladno Knights in the Czech League. His 36th professional season of hockey. He started his career there as a teenager, now ending it as a 51-year-old. Poetic. Can you imagine playing hockey for 36 years? That is. Go talk to your kids. That is insane. Yeah. 
there, there's more to life, maybe. Probably. Uh, but anyway, actual third down, Florida State. They've called a special board meeting amid an uncertain future. Uh, the Board of Trustees set to meet tomorrow morning with no official reason giving, uh, given for the meeting. Sources have indicated to ESPN the board is expected to discuss its long-term athletics future. Uh, the meeting, which was announced this morning, comes nearly, you know, a couple weeks now after uh, Florida State was held out despite being an undefeated Power 5 champion, held out of the playoffs. Um, it's board, it's athletic department, both have spent really the last year, year and a half now voicing their own happiness, their discontentment with the ACC for a myriad of reasons, most notably the widening of the revenue gap uh, with other conferences compared to the ACC, revenue distribution, its place in the collegiate landscape. Uh, looks like this is maybe the first, I don't know if it's the first step, but the next step towards Florida State getting out of the ACC. Sam, thoughts? Or better know, yet, man. should they leave the ACC? Probably. I would probably think so. I mean, you get screwed out of the playoff from kind of being in the ACC. I think that, you know, it's, it's kind of the power two now with the SEC and the Big Ten, and, and the ACC is just kind of sitting there in the corner like, hey, we still... We still, we're still a thing. But nobody really... It doesn't seem like the ACC really has too much respect anymore. In, like, all sports. Like, it feels like the ACC's maybe dropped off a little bit in basketball compared to, like, the top premier basketball conference that you thought they were. Obviously, you know, like, they're not the premier conference in football, so people kind of just, like, sweep them under the rug, I feel like. I would move. I don't think they should. I mean, I, I get it, right? You got left out this year because of the ACC's status or lack thereof. I mean, also, you know, you didn't really uh, look that great without, you know, your, your starting quarterback. But but the ACC not providing Florida State a strength of schedule that was comparable or a resume that was comparable to even a one-loss, you know, Alabama team, that's an issue. However, with the changing of the college football playoff landscape, I think Florida State's best chances are to just stay in the ACC. I mean, if you stay in the ACC, and the ACC, the highest-ranked team, continues to get an automatic bid into the playoffs, then if you're Florida State, you can almost kind of build, uh, I think, a powerhouse program off of the fact that it's you versus Clemson every year for that spot. You know, you can pitch that to recruits, too. Do you want to play, you know, still at a high-level program with high-level facilities in front of a sold-out crowd? And play one good team a but year. But also have the opportunity to basically, yeah, have a pretty good chance to play in the playoffs every year. That's what I would do if I was Florida State. I would just dominate the ACC, get into that play, get into the playoff every year. You think, AC right? Dominated I mean, the ACC this year and didn't get in. Yeah, but the playoffs changing to twelve teams. Like that's the whole point. Well, yeah, but like, but but if Florida State did that, they this can year, be one of the top twelve teams in the SEC too and make a ton more money. I think. But if Florida State did the exact same thing as they did this year, next year they're number four with uh, an auto buy, and I think they can be number four and have an auto buy at least like sixty percent of the years. 
No, I, I mean, I think they'll def- they would get in 100%. I just think it's kind of like, do you want to play the best competition? Because it's clear that the ACC isn't the best competition. Depends on what you want as an athletic department. I agree. I mean, I agree. You could trade. I think you could trade off, you know, like six playoffs in 10 years for two playoffs in two years, but like a lot more money. Maybe that is a loser mentality, too, of just taking the easy way, but I think I'd rather just be in the playoffs. Uh, kind of a slow news day, but what do you got for me, fourth down? Yeah, fourth down, it is kind of a slow news day. Um, Will Levis didn't practice yesterday. Obviously, uh, you know, the ankle is a concern. He said, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think if you're able to play, you play. Seems like we'll have the answer on that. You know, if Will Levis feels comfortable enough to go, I think you'll see Will Levis out there. If not, though, it'll be Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill uh, has been taking first-team snaps at practice yesterday. Uh, Will Levis did not practice. It was Ryan Tannehill taking first-team snaps. Malik Willis behind him. So, Will be likely that you see old Ryan Tannehill if, uh, you know, if, if Will Levis can't go on Sunday against the Seahawks. That'll be an interesting one to monitor. I'm curious on this one, though, Charlie. What are your thoughts? You know, do you, do you want to go let Levis go out there and play even if he's still like 60, 70 percent? Or do you kind of just say, hey, Ryan Tannehill, you can go out there and play one more game? I want Will Levis to play. I agree. If you can play, you can play. And, uh, I mean, still pretty valuable time for Will Levis. Maybe selfishly I just want to watch Will Levis play. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why I'm saying yes. But, you know, I guess it depends, too. Like, what is the re-injury risk? What is the risk of further injury? What is the risk of long-term injury if you play? That obviously has to factor in. And if there is any risk of worsening or creating any kind of long-term injury then obviously don't play but you know if it's just a matter of pain tolerance or or you know it's just an ankle sprain it'll be over when it's over but you can play you cannot then I'm down to play if you want to play Mm -hmm. I think you show that level of toughness too you can gain more of that respect from uh, those veterans on the team when you enter the offseason as the the long-term starter I kind of just want to see Ryan Tannehill like knee the ball. I want to see him just play one. More I do play. want to get. I want to get him like, like a standing a, up, like a cathartic Ryan Tannehill like final moment. Maybe I also want to see Ryan Tannehill look really old in there, just so I'm positive that Will Levis is the guy. <laughs> I'm gonna bring my Ryan Tannehill jersey home with me this weekend, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. One more run. 865-546-8200. That's your number to call in. 1122, we'll go ahead and catch a break. On the other side, though, we'll go over to the phone lines. I know we got Matthew hanging on. Uh, stay with us on the Blitz. You wish me greeting once again. Will be Back here on the Blitz. 1125. Heading over to the phone lines. We got a call from Matthew on the line. Matthew, hello, my friend. Uh, happy early Christmas. 
Happy early Christmas to you, boys. Yeah, that's right. big Christmas plans. That's right. That's how we're starting the phone call. Not Merry Christmas. Happy, Happy Christmas. early Christmas. Really get you get you on your toes. Get you uh, in the festivist mood, Charlie. Do you? Uh, what's your schedule look like for you and Sam? Are y'all taking off tomorrow, or what are y'all doing? We'll be here. Be here in the studio tomorrow, and then uh, then we're off. Off back to Franklin. Uh, back to the mid-state. Well, Charlie, you know that if you get bored on the 26th, you're only about a 30-minute drive from Murfreesboro, and there's a place called Toots, only the finest dining in all the land. Never been, but the commercials are burned into my memories. Toots. Good toot. I used to Good go there after, fun, uh, after youth baseball games sometimes. Toots is awesome. Yeah, it's great. Just uh, don't take a date there. That's really not not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> yeah, no. If, uh, uh, if it's anywhere but Chili's, it's not for me. Sam, I, uh, I know you're not in the group chat, but everybody's leaving us. You're not leaving me next uh, after break, are you? You're staying, right? I'll be around. I'll be around. I'm, I won't be leaving. You're not hitting the transfer portal. I'm not hitting the portal. Not okay. hitting the portal out of here. Not hitting the portal out of I, here. I've said it once, and I'll say it again for those listening on the radio. I mean, Sam is the the brains of this <laughs> of this show. I mean, he makes it. He he's the he is the Phil Jackson of the Blitz. Should, should yeah? Should we actually should we announce a new morning show? <laughs> it's actually just Sam Beard from Welcome. six a.m. to eleven a.m. <laughs> every day. What I, Charlie? What I love about Sam is when y'all have the camera. I've watched the live a few times. And, like, his facial expressions, it doesn't matter if he's happy or sad. It's just him scrolling his phone, and he's like, dang, that's crazy. And it's, like, just monotone as all get out. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess as we wrap into this holiday season, boys, is this a game that y'all are going to watch tonight, or are you just going to catch catch it on the app? Um, usually, the, I... I would always watch a Tennessee game. I don't think I've not watched a Tennessee game in a, in a good while. Sometimes I'm broadcasting basketball. I have to watch the replay when I get home. Uh, but tonight, I don't know what it is. It is big Cody McClure's last day, last day in Knoxville. So I think uh, we, may, we might be celebrating him and, and sending him off. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it live. Might have to watch a replay late tonight. Fair enough. I, I guess the only thing you'll have to do is make sure you get him an Uber. <laughs> yeah, no, our safe driver's been identif- identified. We're good. Good on that front. Good. I think uh, Russell Smith signed up to, to drive him around. That's what I heard. Nice. <laughs> Someone let him know. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, I, I do have a question, and um, I'll let y'all hang up and kind of dive into it, but You've been going back and forth with me and, and Jordan and anyone else that's in the group chat, but it's interesting when it comes to this, you know, national signing day was yesterday. It's a top 15 class, and I know that some fans will say, well, it finished seventh in the conference if you're counting out Oklahoma and Texas, and I get that, and people want to point the finger and say, you know, NIL is the issue, but I really point the finger at if you're going to put some blame on it. I think it's just you got to work on the high school kids. I personally think if you're going to – let me let me take that two steps backwards. If you're going to invest 
in NIL, you either put it into high school kids or you put it into the transfer portal. And it feels like this staff has their foot in the door on one side, you know, towards high school kids. And then on the other side, you have transfer portal. And I, I, I know we want to do 50-50, but it just feels like it's not really working. And I'd like to see us either fully invest into the portal or fully invest into high school kids. And I'll hang up on that. The only thing I can say, guys, is give me Santiago Vescovi for three tonight. First bucket of the game. Vols, 88. Billy Gillespie's boys, 55. Thanks as always, boys. Go Vols. I, I don't know. I mean, thanks always for calling. Appreciate you. Go Vols. Santi three. That'd be nice. Be nice to have a big Santi game tonight. I think he gets a lot of free throws tonight. I think mm-hmm. Tennessee as a team shoots a, a lot of free throws tonight. But uh, uh, your question, can you be like one foot in each door? I think you can. You know, I, I just think that that goes back to the conversation we've kind of been having. There's no one right way, no one wrong way to go about building a roster these days. And if you want to spend some of your money getting guys to stay, spend some of your money in the transfer portal and spend some of your money in high school recruiting, I, I don't really see why that wouldn't work. I don't think that it's failing either. Like maybe that's the disconnect is that if you think what Tennessee's doing isn't working, then maybe you don't think Tennessee can, you know, play both sides. But I think what Tennessee's doing is mostly working. You know, like have you lost a couple of battles? Yeah, you have. You know, have you lost a couple of battles? It felt like maybe you should have won. Yeah, I think so. But are you winning the war? Maybe. It seems like it to me. We'll see what happens. But – You've already put together an 11-2 and two season, and you have a roster to me that's shaping up to, to be another double-digit win team. To me, that feels like you're winning. You know, We'll see what it looks like down the road, but I, I think Tennessee is set up for long-term success. And uh, you know, I think when you look at the top-end talent in this class, it's comparable to the top teams in the country. I also think that like building a team – through the transfer portal might not be the way to do it in college football. Like, I don't think there's been a proven a team yet that's been like, hey, we built this all through the transfer portal and look how successful we were, you know? I mean, I would say, like, like teams could point to Texas State. Uh, teams could so, – someone call in there? Someone called in. If you want to call in. Did you miss them? Call right back. Call right back. 865-546-8200. Um now I lost my train of thought. Recruiting. We were talking recruiting. Uh, proven track record in terms of building a team from the transfer portal. Um, I mean, I would say Texas State did a good job kind of turning around the program, but, uh, you know, that team kind of tapered off towards the end of the season. I mean, I would say Colorado obviously made some pretty big strides, and that's a team that's, you know, pretty notable for building through the transfer portal. I would say, I mean – also kind of tapered off towards the end of the season. We'll see what happens. You know, I think we're going to see some teams experiment with different ways to build rosters. And, you know, in the next couple of years, we'll find out what seems to be working more than other ways, and and teams will adjust. But I don't think what Tennessee's doing is wrong. Got to go ahead and head back over to the phone lines, 865-546-8200. Got a call from Jordan. Uh, Jordan, my friend, how are you? Happy Thursday. Hey guys, happy Thursday, uh, happy early Christmas. Hope you guys have a safe travels back to wherever you're going for Christmas. Um, have a good holiday. Uh, 
want to call in here on the recruiting thing a little bit. I know, Charlie, you and I, uh, I've been going back and forth on the group DM. Uh, love you, brother. There's no hostility, as somebody said yesterday. There's no hostility between me and you. I love you to death. Just Absolutely. Back love and forth, too, just friend. discussion. Uh, I think you guys were talking earlier in the show about a grade, I think, for this class. I think I'd give it a solid B. Um, I think you did hit on some positions very successfully. Uh, I think you hit on the offensive line uh, very well. It's one of the best offensive line classes that we've kind of put together in a while at Tennessee. Um, I still think that you needed that one more tackle, either in this class or last class, to kind of really put you over the top. You're still kind of missing one uh, blue-chip bona fide tackle to protect Nico. You try to get that in the Francis kid last year. You missed him. You try to get that in Jordan Seaton this year. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It looks like you dodged a bullet on that one. Um, but there's also some areas in this recruiting class that I think you failed at. Um, I think you failed at landing another good tight end to team up with Ethan Davis. Uh, you, you, we can debate if Eccles was the kid or not. I still think that you should have tried to find another high-end tight end. The, the, the tight end room is thin right now. Even even with landing the stays kid, it's still pretty thin. You're one injury away from still having an emergency situation there. Um, and then my the biggest confusion for me in this recruiting class is the lack of big-time defensive tackles. For us to have Rodney Garner on staff, who we've known for – what, 30 years now of his recruiting prowess across the entire country and the and type of kids that he can, can land, for him to whiff and this recruiting cycle just is mind-boggling to me on how that, that's possible. Um, but I would give it a solid B. And my negative tone towards recruiting is this. For, for years I've heard from media in Knoxville and from other people that we, we weren't able to land really good recruiting classes because we didn't have success on the field. Kids want to see success on the field. Well, you had that last season. You you had the success finally on the field. You had the momentum uh, within the program. You had the momentum within college football. And for us to still land a solid class is good, but to not capitalize on that and be able to try to close the gap even further between an Alabama, a Georgia, and even uh, Texas and Oklahoma – kind of worries me just a little bit that you weren't able to capitalize on it and generate more momentum. And then the second thing would be this. I've I've followed recruiting extremely close since about 2008. And over these past two classes, we have been in the final two for some blue-chip prospects, some big-time top 200, top 300 kids. And you read articles or you hear from people who cover the program that Tennessee's in really good shape. But then in the last 48 hours to a week before that kid announces, they go a different direction. And, yeah, you got to land your fair share, but it seems to me we're not landing our fair share enough of those prospects. You get a, you get a handful, and that's great, and that does help build the roster. But if you could let, – let, let's say I, I think I added up over the last two classes, there were 25 kids that you were in the final two for that were four-star or five-star prospects, 25. You only landed – like that, that you missed on, that you were in the top two for, 25. You missed on all 25. Land six of those, and the, these last two classes are completely different. So I think that we have 
whether it's the coaching staff closing or NIL issue, I feel like there's a closing issue on closing out some of these recruitments and some of these kids. All right, so kind of a lot to break down there. Um, maybe try to work backwards a little bit. Uh, in, in terms of closing on guys, you know, you mentioned 25 guys that you finished second with in the last, you know, couple of prospects that are blue chip or, you know, blue chip-esque prospects. Um, I would like to know how that number compares nationally. You know, I, I feel like part of being a, a big program is also having a lot of big misses. You know, I think that just means you're in play for a lot more big players than you used to be. And maybe that is, you know, maybe we're just not kind of – growing and recruiting as as ra- rapidly as we had hoped like maybe the progress is being in the top two like maybe that is better than where you've been and, and the next step is then closing on more of those guys that you were in the top two for I don't know I, I don't think Tennessee's put together a bad class I don't really think Tennessee has any kind of recruiting issue I mean it'd be nice if you could have hit on a couple of more players here and there I do agree with that you know, you, you've come up short just one or two more times for my liking, but I don't think it's any kind of major issue. I just think it's something you hope improves. You know, as for a couple of positions you missed on, you know, I think it's good when you see, okay, tight end, you didn't really do a great job this class. I mean, that's the nice thing about the transfer portal. You can go get a Holden Stays who has multiple years of eligibility and, and to supplement that tight end class when you missed – at the high school recruiting level. I think what happened is, is you know, Hayden Eccles was was your guy, and then you realize probably a little too late you missed on his evaluation, but it was too late to really replace him with another high-level tight end. Um, I, I like adding stays. You know, I, I think uh, other than that, like Tennessee's done a pretty good job in this class. Um, I'm trying to think what else. The, the the Rodney Gardner defensive tackle situation, does Rod- that concern you with this class that he wasn't able to land? I mean, we got the Juco kid, but really outside of the Juco kid, he didn't land. Because here's the thing, too, and granted, you're, you're right. The, the portal allows you to have a basically a get-out-of-jail-free card with high school recruiting. You don't land a high school kid, okay, well, the portal opens, I'll go find somebody since I didn't land a high school kid. But the problem is going to be not this coming season. The problem is going to be the following season. We got all these COVID kids back. The majority of your defensive line next season are going to be upperclassmen that have the ability. Some of them are completely out of eligibility. Some of them have the ability to move on to the NFL. And you're going to be very thin and extremely young in that situation heading into 2025. Obviously, you have the portal that can supplement that, but – you know, as you guys were talking about earlier, you don't want to build everything strictly through the portal. You kind of want, in my opinion, kind of like what you said, Charlie, is you want to build your roster around high school recruiting. That's where your the core of your roster is going to be. Then go fill a hole. Go like if you have holes or you have an issue or something, then go fill that through the portal. But right now, kind of looking ahead, twenty twenty five looks you're going to have to hit the portal extremely hard next offseason to find some defensive tackles to come here and, and, and play. And my worry, too, is even with the offensive line, you're going to lose your entire offensive line next season, too. You're, you're putting all this money into Nico and putting all this hope into Nico, and it feels like, to me, it kind of feels like you have one shot, which is 2024, because you lose so much. 
that it's going to be hard to supplement what you lose after 2024 in the portal. It almost feels like you're going for your one shot in 2024 by bringing all these upperclassmen back. And then it's almost like a complete rebuild around Nico in 2025. I mean, I think there are some holes in the offensive line, obviously. You know, you, you, you missed on Addison Nichols, and that was a big miss. You felt like that was going to be a big part of the future of your offensive line. And, and you know, that was a tough position to recruit immediately when, when Josh Heupel first got here. Um, and there wasn't, you know, a, a lot, I guess, in that sophomore class either. So that is an issue. You know, I think they like Vice and Lang, I, I, I guess. I don't really know how much I like Vice and Lang. Uh, you know, I think they, they do like a lot of the guys in this class. You might have some guys having to play early as sophomores. But, it, you know, it might not be as bad as we think either. Like maybe let's say like a Vice and Lang works out. And let's say like a Bennett Warren and, and like what, Max Clark. Like let's see that those three guys are able to play as like sophomores and juniors and that's three of your starting five then you can go find two in the portal you know it's not a great situation but I don't think it's it's a situation you can't work out of either you know same with the defensive line I think you have plenty of talent on the edge and, and I think you have plenty of depth on the edge and I think you've added to that with this class now on the interior probably haven't built as much depth as you'd like you know I trust Rodney Gardner with the JUCO defensive lineman that he brought in it, it, Rodney Gardner can bring in anyone he wants and until it's proven otherwise, yeah, I, I trust that that is a player worth having. You know, Omar Norman Lott, like last year was a guy that I went, really, huh? That's who we want. And, you know, I thought he did a great job with him this year. I think he has plenty of potential to do some great things with your, your Juco defensive lineman you brought in. And, you know, that's maybe an area that you got to hit the portal a little bit harder. Um, so, like, I think that there's room for improvement Obviously, in certain areas, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to high school recruiting with the portal, with your roster construction as a whole. But, you know, again, you had a roster last year uh, that went 11-2 and two and made it to New Year's Six Bowl. I think you have a roster next year that sets up to be able to, to win 10 games and make the playoffs. So it, I don't really have any major complaints either. I think this is my last thing, and I'll get off and give you guys time back. I think, you know, for me and I think for a lot of us to – I think at the end of the day, Charlie, you and I agree on this. This team this season was held back by quarterback play. And we, he still found a way to go 8-4, and four, which you know ties us for the second-best record in, what, the last 15 years because Butch went 9-4. and four. And if he wins nine games, then it is the second-best record uh, in the last 15 years. So Hopple has clearly come in, and he has elevated the floor of the program. I do think the floor now is 8-4. and four. Um, especially with the type of quarterbacks that he's recruiting, the system that he runs on the offensive side of the football. You know, if it's anything lower than eight and four, I think then you completely whiffed on a quarterback evaluation or you've had a rash of injuries happen. So, bare minimum, Hopple has come in and elevated the floor of this program, and you're going to be in football games and you are going to be competing on some big stages for some big wins and potentially for the college football playoff moving forward with it going to 12 teams. I think the question and the worry a lot of Tennessee fans have because of some some things that happened this season is that is he the guy to consistently get you into the top 12, three out of five years, four out of five years? Like, Has he shown you enough or just has he made enough kind of head-scratching decisions to this point 
to be the guy to consistently do it. I think he can get you there once every five years, but is that going to be enough to pacify and satisfy this fan base? And I think you and I both know that that answer to that is going to be no, because they're going to get sick and tired of not getting to the top 12 consistently if, if he's not that type of – so that's where I'm kind of at with Josh Hopple right now is I do believe that he can get us to, to one out of five years, but is he the guy to consistently get you there the way this program should be based off based off history of this program and where it stands in the college football landscape? And I think next season, you and I agree on this too, I think next season is going to tell us a lot with Josh Hopple moving forward because I fully expect the offense to bounce back with Nico like you do. I think it's going to be the high-powered offense that we have seen in his past because there's a reason that this season has been an outlier in his career. And me and you both agree that it's because of who the quarterback was. So I'm, I think 2024 season will tell us a lot about the future health of this program, the future outlook of this program, and even the future job of you know Josh Hoppel at Tennessee. And I'll get off here and give you guys time back. Thank you, and have a Merry Christmas, guys. Have a Merry Christmas. Good to hear from you, Jordan. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is the mystery with Josh Heupel. But, you know, in the same sense that he hasn't really shown anything that he can consistently maybe be that guy, he hasn't shown anything to tell you he won't consistently be that guy either. Well, I guess it's just it's kind of a wait-and-see game. But I, I think Josh Heupel will be the kind of coach that can have you in playoff contention three out of every five years. That's kind of the way I feel about Heupel now. You know, I think more often than not, He'll have the quarterback in place, and that'll lead to uh, you know, having an offense that can consistently score five-plus touchdowns a game. And if you're doing that, more often than not, I think you'll be a team that's in contention to win nine or ten games, if not more. And if you're more often than not a team that's in contention to win nine or ten games, uh, then you're also going to be in playoff contention more often than not with the, the way the 12-team playoff is set up. Um, I guess the concern is if he's able to, in year three, not offer you a better option at quarterback than Joe Milton. You know, if he's able to look at Joe Milton and evaluate Joe Milton and say, hey, this is the guy that I want as my guy in year three, you know, is he susceptible to making other mistakes at that position down the road? That's my biggest question. You know, that's the biggest question that Josh Heupel has to answer for me. But other than that, I, I feel good about the way the roster is being built. I feel good about the direction of this program. I feel good about th- this coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I think there are some fair questions that are coming a year or two down the road with some of the depth in the offensive line, still kind of a gap there, maybe the def- interior defensive line as well. But, uh, you know, that's that's football. There's always going to be some concerns, maybe some holes down the road that you're going to have to fill, and you're just going to have to get creative when the time comes. And fortunately, there's a transfer portal, and, you know, you, you brought in some a good offensive line class this year, so we'll see what happens. But when you look at, at next year, I think you've improved the roster pretty much all the way around, and again, I think it's a playoff team. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely in line to, you know, to replenish a lot of the places on your in your offense that they kind of struggled. I, you know, I, I think you'll get Nico in there and, and be a much better, you know, quarterback-driven team. Um you know, if you can kind of get maybe one more wide receiver in the portal, I think you've got to feel great about about that group. Um, and yeah, I mean, you you reload on the offensive line. I think the depth of the offensive line is is definitely a concern, just in the in the sense that you're going to have a lot of 
of those young freshmen and sophomores kind of as those backups. So, you know, maybe it's guys that don't exactly have the most experience uh, in those backup roles. But, you know, I think you've just got to I think you've got to trust the the development of this coaching staff and, and what they continue to do day in and day out. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is fair to bring up maybe some concerns about possibly the future of this team after, you know, after some of these kids that are in the trans that have arrived from the transfer portal leave after certain kids graduate. And then you're kind of left with, you know, maybe a little bit of the of the bare bones of like the first hypo classes where it's those, you know, those upperclassmen where it wasn't maybe the the guys that you were really wanting to get out there and recruiting. But I think you've just got to trust the development that this coaching staff has, has done in their three years here. Um, you know, and I think they've done a good job of developing talent that's not that four and five star that, you know, that we're wanting and expecting to get now. I think you've done a good job of developing some of those, you know, three stars and lower four star guys too. So I think it's just, you know, putting a lot of trust into this coaching staff and hoping that you can develop some young guys and and then supplement in the portal. But I, I do think, you know, Jordan's concerns are, are definitely something, you know, to, to note and something not to, you know, to at least neglect in terms of looking at the future of the program. 11.51, we got to catch a break. Uh, best bet, and I got some exciting Oklahoma City news on the other side. Ever been the coach? Sam, I promised you some exciting Oklahoma City news. <laughs> yeah, and you wouldn't tell me in the break. Well, breaking news. The California developer has laid out plans to build a 1,750-foot-high skyscraper in Oklahoma City. <laughs> the second tallest building in the entire United States by just by just six feet. So it actually, I mean, it'd be close to being the tallest. But you got to go back and just add no, seven more feet. Yeah, no. If you're a builder, you can't just build the to- the second tallest building and get six feet short and be like, ah, I'm just going to stop there. But I go am ten more feet. I am thoroughly enjoying the Oklahoma renderings of City? this. Is it cool? Does it look cool? Look how tall it is compared to the rest of Oklahoma City. That's yeah, that's badass. It would be like if you if it looks like Yao Ming in a preschool. <laughs> Blew my mind. I like it. I saw I the, I saw a quote tweet. That's actually how I stumbled upon this. It just said, uh, "This tower is going to get ripped down by an EF five tornado in the first three weeks, and they'll be oh. finding pieces in Dallas." I didn't even think about that. Yeah, they do need to. They need to look out for that. I'm into this though. I I'm think we need too. more tall buildings in random places. Yeah. Random cities. Like, can we can we build the tallest, new tallest building in Des Moines, Iowa? Once Put our biggest landmarks in the smallest places. Let's get a every every Midwestern major city gets a massive skyscraper. Just build the Empire State Building in Kansas, Manhattan, Kansas. I'm down. Eleven fifty six. Best bet. Yeah, I'm gonna do a little parlay. Parlinski. I'm gonna take. Kentucky's spread today against Louisville, even though it's 14 and a half points. It's a terrible Louisville team. I'm, I'm going to disregard the rivalry. I think it's a Kentucky team that, you know, that, that's looked good. And I'm going to take the over 
uh, tonight in Tennessee, Tarleton State, over 138 and a half. I like that. Yeah. I yeah, like that. Tarleton over. State's going to press a lot. They're going to press. They're going to be very aggressive, try to force turnovers, and they're going to foul a lot. I think we'll get some good uh, Yeah, scoring. I think there's going to be some some points yeah. scored tonight. That is uh, something I agree with you on. Um, my best bet tonight, best bet, best bet, it's our best bet. My best bet tonight in the world of college hoops. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say in the world. San Diego minus eight and a half tonight hosting South Dakota. Uh, that is my best bet. I like the San Diego team. I can't stay away from this San Diego team. And uh, 10 o'clock tonight on the plus, we're getting it done. But that'll wrap up today's show. A uh, little, little programming note, a little tease. We have more station programming news coming later today. But uh, tomorrow, tomorrow will be me and Sam's last show together on the Blitz. Very sad. Will be neither of our last shows at Fan Run, let that be known, no, no, but no. our last show no, no, together no. on the Blitz. We'll have more news on that front uh, later. But tomorrow, a celebratory day, maybe a little bit of a sad day. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the week and get you to Christmas. But uh, for today, appreciate you tuning in. For Sam Beard, I'm Charlie Collier. This has been the Blitz, the final show of Cody McClure. Coming up next. Stay tuned.